Thank you, Louisa. It's that time of sharing and song that does a lot in uh, in preparation and again, uh, thank you is a, is a small word, but we definitely want to make sure that that is communicated to you. It is operating here. Um, as we get this together, one more time. Let's bow in prayer. Father, we thank you for um, our time this morning. Thank you for our time um, together before this morning. A time to reflect and really think about keeping it real. So Lord, help us to have a, um, a good time, of, a teachable time for clarity. And then, Lord, may we understand when we use the word Father, there's far more than what people are throwing around today. Great is your faithfulness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It would be good for me to turn it on. I thought about today and... Um, there's a lot of things you can talk about. There was a, a series I started, but I said I need to put it on a hold for today. For fathers, for men, just to set the record straight for everyone in the sound of my voice. Good fathers matter. What did I just say? You know, they use everything else that says matter. But good fathers matter. But there's a conceptual problem there. But we start off with some scripture, and then you're going to wonder, well, you start off with scriptures, but you never get back to it. But understand, we're going to come back to this. But we have to first understand concept and then function. And so we'll start off with the whole idea of the storyline. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said... How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough to br of bread, but I perish with hunger? I will rise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. Praise the Lord for that. Fatherhood is a role that is uh, often imitated but not, uh, cannot be duplicated because it has been established by God. Fatherhood has been established by God. Okay. I think that it's important for this to kind of really ring within our hearts. And so in our introduction, finish this statement with either yes or no, men. And, th and that is, I am a good father. Yes or no? I am a good father. Yes or no? Don't use I think so or, you know, either it's yes or no. I am a good father. Um, if I was dealing with, with the men, is it possible to have the position of a father without living out God's intended purpose? 
Because when he says, I am a good father, you know, we're going to analyze it. How do you measure good? You see, if you measure good by what you do, then you're, you're doomed for failure. But the moment you mess up, you stop being a good father. And so we always have to have a standard for that. And so what we do is establish the whole concept of father and how it cancels out all what our, a lot of what our society is using right now. Observation. For the records, only God is good and sets the standard for all that has and will take place. So once we, we talk about, whenever you use the word good, then understand that only God is good. Donald, that's your opinion. Well, I don't think so. And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. Why, why call me good? The guy came a good master. What must I do? No, 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 no. Before we get into what you do. Why are you calling me good? Why are you flippantly using that word? Is this that's an everyday word that you can use to apply to anything? Why call me good? Whoever does good is from God. Whoever does evil has not seen God. This is, Don, this is not Don Rack. This is the word saying that. This word father starts with God and the dignity and purity of this word stands supreme in the spiritual and physical realm. So when we say our father, then we, uh, we, we see that it's, a, it's very important. The word father uh, bear these distinctives. First, what? He, he has a purpose. He has a plan. He has a process. He maintains a pattern. He is committed to productivity. All of the above and more describe the very essence, nature of God our Father who loves us with an everlasting love, not based on what we do, but who you are. Understand something. There's nothing you can do. Nothing you can do that can keep God from loving you. You understand what I'm saying? He loved you when you were a sinner. <laughs> so you think that he's going to stop loving you when you become a saint? See, Satan is a liar. He needs to begin to throw all of that around. But you see, and so what God is saying is I want you to understand, if you understand what a father does and how he's productive, and then I pattern a man to be a father over a family, then he should be functioning like who? God. Now I might be getting ahead of myself, but this is why any other entity, two, male, two males or two females and all this other stuff, and, and they're talking about the structure of the home, we have a family. You do not have a family. You have a unit. You don't have a family. Because every family has a father. And the father reflects God. You're prejudiced. I don't care what you say. If you think that I'm prejudiced, then which one of you is the father? And which one of you is the mother? And by the way, how are you going to produce in the first place? And so when we talk about father, 
then we recognize a position that God is calling you to. And once we understand our position, then get your emotion and your egos and everything else and step up to the plate. Because you will be affecting generations. Children and everything else and young folks in jail and the shooting and things and going on right now. You say, well, what an evil generation. I said, oh, no, no, no. Something started that. There was, there was a substance there that needs to be addressed. And that thing, that's, that something that started it was a lack of a father. In the physical realm, he should be found faithful being. Give me a, give you a list here. Number one, a man according to the will of God. You want a good father? That's why, you know, especially to our young folks. Don't marry a person who's not saved or you already messed up big time. You say, why is that? Because, see, it, see because in, in Psalms 127, one, it says, except the Lord builds a house, they labor in vain that build it. And how God builds a house, he said he put a father. This is not a competition between man and women and, and who's, no, no, no. This is structure. And see, once we understand structure, number one, if your husband acting crazy, pray to God. God will slap him. I don't care what you, he will slap him into place. You don't have to argue and scream. Save your breath. Because God will bring him to the knowledge that the first thing is you're representing me over lives that you're, you're representing me over lives that will span generations. Dare you live in a way less than a man of God. Next thing we think about is husband. He's a man. He's a husband. Being the priest, provider, protector, lover, and servant leader of the relationship between him and his female, I thought I'd put that in there, spouse. I just want to keep it straight here. I don't know what they're saying out there. I just want to, I want to be misconstrued here. And the thing is that he is the, and the word husband, the, hus, the word husband means hus mean administrator, bande means for life. So whenever you see, they use it in England when it comes down to the, the husband over a garden, whatever. That means that he's the administrator. He's the one who keeps it all together. He has that responsibility. He's the answering person. And it's for life. It's for life. Dare a husband who's supposed to be a man of God treat his wife with disrespect. Because you saw a Proverbs, I think it was um, this is about 18 or 19, 19, 18, something like that, where it says that, that a wife is a gift. He's a gift to the, to the relationship. He's a, they are a gift from God. And God says, I'm, in, I'm putting them into your presence, and I'm entrusting them because you all will form families. We're talking about a good father. And you measure good because God is good. When God is good and you're committed to him, you don't have a say-so. God does. And so, so the next thing comes in, he's a man, he's a husband, he's a father. 
the father established and uh, and uh, natural father uh, and natural father of the children from the bond of marriage. See, actually, we phrase that a little bit different. But the whole idea is that he becomes the natural father of marriage. That's why when you have individuals who say, "Well, I don't need a man." You're just taking out the foundation of the home. I don't need a woman. Then you have just wiped out the foundation and the necessity of our generation. Other couples without that, the other couples who are trying to be the same and everything else, they can't produce generations, so they try to get someone who does produce and try to be what they can't be. And it turns out a monstrosity. And so, we move on. Malachi 2.14. But you say, why does he not, because the Lord was a witness between you and your wife of your youth, to whom you have, uh, you have been faithless, though she is your companion and wife, your friend, and the one in the, in the covenant. Did he not make them one with a portion of the spirit in their union? And what was the one God's, uh, the, the one God seeking? All godly offspring. So guard yourself in your spirit and let none of you be faithless to the wife of your youth. It says, what is God looking for when you get married? Folks say, I'm in love. No, please, please understand love. What love is godly offspring, godly offspring. I'm getting ahead of myself when I say we become generational thinkers and actors. We're the one that put it together. That's awesome. That's awesome. But understand something. God does not call you to something that he doesn't strengthen you for, nor provide for. Satan will get you out there and think that you're the only one trying to make it, please. Thinking it through. As fathers, we are called to be generational thinkers who will set the pattern and principle of leadership and productivity. As we consider the parable of the prodigal son, let us take a closer look at a good father. His providence, his patience, his pity and compassion, his pardon and proclamation. Don't worry, folks, this will not be real long. Just want to do a snapshot of it. Okay. So take your pillows out and, and, and they put them on the floor, okay? So we start off with one his providence. And he said, There was a man who had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property. That is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. The father did not resist nor try to reason. Because his son in his mind had already left. Way before he, his request. The silence of the father did not suggest weakness or consent. He remained true to the allotted inheritance. Even when it was not a part of the plan. 
Father, sometimes you want to see things happen and it doesn't happen. You cannot force adults. You have, you, I've, I've, uh, I've made it very clear with my, my children. I'm your father, but I have moved now to the position of advisor. Every decision that you make right at this point on, you reap what you sow. As long as you are under my roof, <laughs> then I was the answering person. But the moment that you do this, you reap what you sow. In the Jewish community, in a marriage, what would happen is that, you know, among the Afro-Americans, they jump over the broom. In the Jewish community, what the father does, he breaks the glass, which means, now come back here. And he's saying to the man that takes the young lady, she's yours. Now you take care of her just like I have. And so the woman is always under protection of her husband. Always. And it should be under the protection of a sensitive, caring, tender person. There is no room for the flesh, that old nature, that selfishness to be a part of it. Can you imagine how the father felt? I understand this is a parable. But in a scenario like this, can you imagine what a father felt after raising this kid and everything else? Setting an inheritance. And the son sets the, uh, set the importance of father aside and says, give me what belonged to me and I'm out of here. Have you ever run into anything like that? Uh, those of you who have uh, get into that age, there's a point where it says, I'm, I'm my own person. I make my own decisions. Leave me alone. And what I've done now, even with my children, I do not demand anything of them. We loved them. We taught them. All of the decisions. And I'm not expecting them. A lot of times they can uh, reciprocate by negativity. It does not change what I need to be all the time. But what happens is that if you pray for them, God will turn. One, the, ones that gave me the, the one that gave me the hardest, hardest time. I mean, she was, she was born with a frown on her face. <laughs> was my oldest daughter. But she was the one that made sure that Karen and I took a cruise and gave us the best, one of the best suites on the boat. Matter of fact, the way I'm dressing now is that she, for Father's Day, she said, Daddy, you need to change up a little bit. Said, matter of fact, take a picture and, and send it back to me, make sure. <laughs> and I thought back, I said, is this my oldest daughter? Is this? I mean, now, if you, if you see my, my uh, cell phone or smartphone, you, you see how we joke with one another and say all manner of things, and then she'll still say, I love you. But there were times when my heart was broken. 
children born out of wedlock and her wanting to do her own thing and a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. And I can't take credit for anything in changing their minds. The only thing I could be was daddy, according to God's standards. And heaven done all, what are you supposed to do? Stand. He's going through all of this and the pain of that. He suffered the embarrassment of the separation before his servants and the community, but he let him go. That was embarrassing. He was a rich man, and, and the community was watching him and his family and all these other things. And when that happened, it was a great embarrassment to him. But he didn't worry about his reputation. He let him go. There are sometimes as parents, though your heart is breaking, you want the best for them. And the best thing you can do when they want to do their own thing and live their life the way they want to live it, let them go. You're not God. Let them go. But you see, when you release them out of your hands, they fall right into God's hand. So you're keeping the results of what God wants for them when you keep holding on. Let go. What did I just say? I would drop this, but no, I might break it. So I'm, I'm just holding on. The pay, next, his patience. Now what we're going to do now is look at, you're going to find this is not the father. Now let's take a, they're doing a little clip of what's happening to the son. And here we go. The father waited patiently and expectantly while his son faced life without knowledge, understanding, nor wisdom. Handicapped as he faced the reality of life. Here's the scripture. Not many days later, the young son gathered all he had and took a, a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. No doubt he was saying, free at last, free at last. From my father, I'm free at last. And he squandered didn't say some, it said what? Oh. Oh. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in the country and he began to be in need. But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here in hunger? He's talking to himself now. Pigs don't want to talk to him. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against what? He didn't, notice he didn't say, I didn't I sinned against you. He says, I have sinned against the father of fathers. And so when I go back to him, I'll say, Father, I have sinned against heaven. Because everything you do that you know is wrong, the first thing you do, you mess up in the spiritual realm. And then you mess up in the physical realm. You reap what you sow. The blessing here is that he came to himself. He got a little sense here. And in the process, he says, you know, this is what I'm going to say to my dad. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. 
Mr. When it comes down to relationship, you don't have to even consider me a relationship. You can treat me as one of your highest servants. I'm, I'm willing to, you know, now again, I'm getting ahead of myself. He trusted the goodness of his father than to stay in the pig pens. Observation. There was one thing the prodigal son was sure of, his father's heart. His decision to put it all on the line and return home, trusting his father's heart. So he decides to go home. His pity and compassion, still talking about the father. And it says, and he rose and came to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father what? Saw him. Then he what? Felt compassion. Then he what? Ran. And then he what? Embraced him. And then he what? Boy, that man was coming back to some loving, wasn't he? <laughs> he could have died in the pig pen or returned to his daddy with nothing. Nothing. And daddy was waiting to give to him to just lavish on him. All of this. And the son said to him, Father, he followed through, I have sinned against heaven. And before you, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. I guess if we got into the dialogue, the father would say, let's analyze worthy. How did you come up that you were not worthy? You mean you didn't feel worthy? But you see, once you have a child, it's always your child. When the child mess up and break your heart and you're in tears, it's still your parent. I'll tell you this and we'll begin to wrap it up. Listen, I uh, was in counseling and, um, and this, this young lady came in and when she, was, when she came in, I mean, she was messed up big time. And the moment that she came in, we're getting ready to sit down, I started throwing out disclaimers. I am not a psychologist. I am not, I was, I was saying all of these things, let her know, listen, whatever's, whatever your problem, I might not able to meet, be able to meet your need. But I got her to realize that she was in bondage. And she had to let go in order to go on with her life. The young man, he recognized that where he was, he had to let go of the pig pen and come home. Do you know what it means for a father to forgive? I mean, the whole concept of forgiving. The whole concept of forgiving is whenever I say I forgive you, that means I take on the tab. Whatever wrong, I take on the tab, and I will never, never bring it up in your face again. That's kind of rough, isn't it? If you owe me money and I say I forgive you, I would not be thinking about that $1,000 I gave you. When you come, I would have said I paid the tab, and I accept you. That's kind of hard, isn't it? But wait a minute, when Jesus Christ died on the cross of Calvary, 
He absorbed all of our sins. The song says Jesus paid it all. And with all that the son did to the father, you would think the father would have been bitter with the embarrassment and everything. You would think he would be, be bitter, but he saw his son afar off. I don't know how far that boy was, but daddy knew his boy. Of course, he wasn't a brother, because if his brother would be doing one of these swags, you know, coming home, that's my son. I don't know how it was, but one thing I do know is that when he saw his son, he felt compassion, his emotions. He ran. And as we go over this again, I kind of marked it out here. Before the son could say a word to his father, five significant things. One, he saw him. Two, he felt compassion, pity on him. Three, he ran to him. Four, he embraced him. Five, he kissed him. All of the above were given in an environment of love and acceptance. No blame or shame. Come home, son. I'm glad you're home. I wonder what our nation would look like if we had fathers like that. Get their feelings out of the way. And they say, I'm a man. I don't know what you mean by that. You are a male. You are definitely biologically different than a woman. You are uh, uh, geared for productivity. But that does not put you over anybody. The best thing you can be is a man of God. Forgiveness demands the offender be willing to absorb the offense with the intention of never recalling the circumstances. Here's the last one. His pardon and proclamation. And the son says, Father, I have sinned and sinned against heaven before you, and I no longer were to be called your son. But the father says to the servant, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. And let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he is found. And they began to celebrate. We go on. Observation. Upon the son's return, there were several significant things the father commanded his son to do, his servants to do. Number one, quickly, bring quickly the best robe. My boy looking bad. They put a robe on him. He does not represent who he is. He might come back raggedy, but he's still my son. And when he comes to my presence, Put a, put, didn't say put a robe, say put, notice the adjective, the best robe. Next he said, put it on him. Put a ring on his hand. That means I'm a father, I'm, I have the position uh, in the family, I have authority. Put a ring on his hand. Put shoes on his feet. Boy came barefooted. He went out with a whole lot, but life just stripped him down. Bring the fatted calf and kill it and let us celebrate and eat. 
observation. A good father stays focused on the reality of the moment with great strength and dignity. Son, you messed up on me. The Lord says, if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. All you have to do is confess it. Then here's a story line where it says, I sinned against heaven. And you know what the, husband, the, the father does? He, ha he has a celebration that he's on his way back. No doubt the son would have probably said, I never would have made it. I never would have made it. Out there in the uh, pigsty and out there feeding the pigs and all these other things, I, I would have been in this, this situation. And, but I had someone to go to. I had to go to my, I can go to my daddy. And I know that my daddy would understand. You know what? We wouldn't have never made it even this far. But we have a good father. Good fathers matter. My challenge to the men, be that good father. My challenge to the women, don't ever disrespect the position. You may be frustrated. At times you may get angry. But never disrespect or, care or share with your children anything that will cause them to disrespect fatherhood. For the moment that you have them to disrespect fatherhood, you've already caused them to go against the very standards of God. Everybody with me here? So if it's a problem between you and your, your, your husband, work it out. Fix it. But don't spread it. Fix. Don't spread it. One last thing. When we celebrate Father's Day, please do not hesitate to praise our Heavenly Father for who he is and the grace and love that he has placed on us. I appreciate what the ladies have done, all that took place, and what they have prepared, and thank you. But you'll find, listen for it, in Father's Day, how many will say, let's stop and praise our heavenly Father. That without him, there would be no fathers. They would have a standard. Have a level of dignity. And so I say, Lord, I thank you for who you are. That you are the creator. That immediately makes you father. You are the originator. Apart from you, there is no other. And you ought to be praised. You ought to be honored. You ought to be obeyed. Because good fathers matter. <laughs> and when I have a good father that matters, then it means how do you treat a good father? My prayer this morning is that we as a congregation will make that a part of our thinking, our heart. Let's bow in prayer. Father, thank you for our time together.
Thank you for the idea of the concept of a good father. It starts with you. You have a purpose and a plan and, and productivity and all these other things. You have it, Lord, that it's going to keep going long after this world is gone. You'll keep having things for us and your protection and, and all that it, it takes, Lord. You, you have committed yourself to be who you are. You can't help from being father. And we'll thank you that not only are you father, you are a holy father, righteous father high and lifted up and the angels say holy 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 and so we can trust you we can rely on you we can rest in you and we know that we have a future and a hope not because of our being smart or having things in life but because you have our eternity mapped out that Jesus I go to prepare a place for you and when I come, I'm going to bring you, take you to myself. And he talks about the fact that my father's at that house that has many mansions. I said, if it wasn't so, I wouldn't tell you. He said, I, 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 I've done all of this for you. Lord, I thank you. So as we wrap things up this morning, we praise your name and and if we've been acting like the prodigal son say forgive us we're sin against you and although we're not worthy you still consider us your children willing to forgive wash restore empower and so Lord I pray that we take this to heart. It was in Jesus' name we pray. And all the saints said, Amen.